Oh, giver, I need no one except you. The world fights, but still does not become successful, no matter if they get millions or billions. Oh, giver, wherever you send me, I go there. I always eat what you give. I am the puppet, and your hand is the string. I wandered in every corner. I got your radiance everywhere. I saw no one else except you. Wherever I go, I sing of you. I carry your message. You have installed the lock, and you yourself turn the key. Beautiful Emperor Kripal has become gracious on a jabe. May my love become like that of the moon and the moon bird. O oh, giver, I need no one except you. Bhajan of Sanchi on page 119. The book. <coughs> Menu tere bina kise dina loda tia 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 Dunia jagade mulalendi Puri fera vina pendi Dunia janate muralendi Puri fera vina pendi Babe mila jaye lakate karor datia Menu tere bina kise dina lo datia Menu tere bina kise dina lo datia Menu tere bina kise dina lo datia Chite beja data java Tera dita sadahi kava Chite beja data java Tera dita sadahi kava Neha putali tera hata tor datia Menu tere bina kise dina lo datia Menu tere bina kise dina lo datia Menu tere bina kise dina lo datia Kone kone te me tiria Nura tera harta milia Kone kone te me tiria Nura tera harta milia Menu tere bina disa dana hor datia Menu tere bina kise dina lo datia Menu tere bina kise dina lo datia Menu tere bina kise dina lo datia Chite java tena kava Tera sandesha puchava Jite java tenu kava 
Beautiful Emperor Kripal has become gracious on a day. May my love become like that of the moon and the moon birds. O oh, giver, I need no one except you. Our next bhajan is on page 50. O oh, Guru Kripal Ji, we cannot bear the pain. Living in the world, we cannot control the mind. Daily our mind goes on sinning and doesn't care. It never walks straight to the satsang. We cannot forget the desires of the mind, even for a moment. Save us from the five thieves and spread the coolness within the heated souls. We cannot remove the sins within us. Hail Kapal, hail the limitless Shabbat, who has liberated millions of souls. Without you, the sinking ships cannot be brought to the shore. O oh, true Father, day and night I remember you. Waiting for you, I count the days. Ajayb says, we cannot forget the qualities of Kripal. O oh, Guru Kripalji, we cannot bear the pain. Living in the world, we cannot control the mind. Bhajan of Sanchi. Kirpala Guruji Sato Dukana Sahare Chande Juniate Vicherake Manani Jemare Chande Kirpala Guruji Sato Dukana Sahare Chande Sangavala Sita Chalaka 
we cannot bear the pain. Living in the world, we cannot control the mind. Yes, number of announcements. Um, First of all, Judith has received an enormous number of requests for India trips during and since the time we were in Rajasthan. Because of the pileup of correspondence during our trip, and also since Sanji wants both of us to be actively involved in the preparations for the coming tour in July, there will most likely be a delay in her replying to these requests. However, Anyone who has never seen Sanchi in India or who has not gone in the past year or more and has asked or is asking at this time can be assured that he or she will be given a space in one of next year's groups. Your understanding and patience in waiting for individual written confirmation is very much appreciated. For any emergencies or special problems which require immediate attention, you're welcome to phone us. The number is 603-588-6193. A reminder also about the retreat on Saturday, March 31st for initiates in honor of Sawan Singh's passing on April 2nd. Retreat schedule will be followed. All initiates will be welcome. Uh, there will be a meeting for the Sangat on Wednesday, March 28th at 6.30 p.m. in the studio. That's a week from this Wednesday. In place of the usual 7.30 satsang, this meeting will begin with a short satsang. This is a general meeting to discuss the preparations for the tour this summer. The season for outdoor work is almost here and many projects will soon be going. We would like to talk about what there is to do and how to do it. This is a great opportunity for all of us. Please come. That's a week from Wednesday, March 28th. Very important meeting. And last but not least, we will run two busloads immediately after satsang and a third about half an hour later. No one needs to be told what that means that's here, and I, I want to take this opportunity, I guess, to thank the Sevadars involved in running these buses. Um, the road is a mess. Cars would get stuck because of the hard work and dedication of the people who have arranged this. A great many people have been unable to get here who otherwise couldn't have. It's a very great seva, and I have also benefited from it. So, remember two buses immediately after satsang, 
and a third about half an hour later. I do want to, a couple of people have asked me <coughs> to speak, and it's possible even that some more may be inspired, although I'm not counting on it. But I do want to say um, before something that I forgot to say last week or left out or perhaps didn't speak enough on or something is in connection with Sanchi's strength and the meaning of some of the talks that he has been giving. Uh, it, it is, there's been a lot, I have heard, a lot of speculation, which I personally have a lot of trouble with um, amongst the satsangis about perhaps he is giving us these talks about lessening the workload, etc. Because maybe he's giving us hints that he might be leaving soon. And I do want to say that I have excellent reason to believe that the master is not pleased with this kind of speculation. And I don't think it's true. We never can tell, I agree. As Master Kripal used to say, you cannot depend on life. That's true. And it is true that in Master Kripal's day, we did not perhaps ever think that he was going to leave. And consequently, those of us who remember back that far were taken very much by surprise when he did leave. And perhaps we want to prevent that from happening again. But it seems as though for the last four or five years since Sanchi began occasionally getting ill, there has been speculation on how long he's going to stay with us. Once when Judith and I asked very close disciple of Master Kripal about this when he might be leaving successorship, etc. She became very unhappy and she said we should never think that the Master is going to leave. We should always live in the living present and enjoy him while he's here. If, if the thought of his leaving stimulates us to work harder, and that's another thing. But I don't think that that's the, the way it's working. I think that we're not using it in a good way. There's a, uh, there was a man at Sawan Ashram in the old days who never would meditate. He was a Sevadar, and he lived there, and Master Kripal would often ask him, well, why don't you meditate? He said, well, why should I go inside and see you when I can see you outside every day. That was not a good attitude, and that man undoubtedly had cause to regret that when the time came. But still, there is a vast difference. You know, there's a big spectrum along the way of these things. And I don't think that the Master is giving us hints. And if anyone doubts this, you can write to him and ask him. But I do not think that this is what he's doing. I think that he is saying exactly what he's saying. There are reasons why it's important for us to not 
bring worldly problems to him at this time. There are reasons why it's important for us to know other things that he's telling us. And I think that he wants us to, to reflect on the enormous amount of material that he has already given us. The back issues of Santbani magazine, what to speak of the current issues, are loaded with information of exactly the same type that we ask about all the time. And this is why he often gives what is called the Santbani answer. The answer to this question has very often appeared in Santbani magazine. He wants us to know what he's already said. And I do not think that as long as we take seriously his request and don't think that he doesn't mean it and do what he asks, I do not think that we need to speculate further on why. If he wants to tell us that he's leaving, he'll tell us. If he doesn't, why should we try to second guess and be on top of this? I will. Many of us know this, but I will tell you from experience that this is not something you can ever anticipate. When it happens, the world is blown apart. And there is no way that we're going to make it better by thinking that we are able to deal with it ahead of time, because we won't be. And the more we go inside, the more we love him, the more we put his priorities first, the more we care about what he wants vis-a-vis -vis what we want, then the easier his work is and the longer he will stay. In the last month's Saint Bani had the fifth part of the receptivity circulars, which make basically the same request as Sanchi's talk that was published also last month and read here too, given in group five. But um, the first four parts of that series are also relevant to this. And they were given over a period of five years. And Master Kripal didn't leave for a year after the last one was given. And who is to say it was connected except insofar as we didn't pay attention to what he said. So I think that, um, you know, this, it's a little irresponsible. And I, I know that the Master is not pleased. If we care about what he wants, then we should simply do what he asks and not think like this. We should live in the living present. All right, I, uh, Toland and Kathy have spoken to me about speaking, and I will ask them to speak. And if there is anyone else in the group, there are a great many people here who are in the group. If any of them would like to, they can speak after them. It will be fine with me. Toland? Well, I must confess to being uh, fairly nervous about being up here, so I hope you be patient with me. But there were a few things that I felt compelled to uh, share with you all. Um, 
First of all, I would like to thank you all for the kindness, affection, and compassion you have shown to me and my children um, over the length of Bobby's illness and, and since her death. I'd also like to thank the master, but masters don't like to be thanked, except by singing, uh, singing them bhajans, and I won't do that right now. The, this time since Bobby died has been one of sorting out my feelings and putting things in perspective. And uh, I would like to thank uh, one person in particular who shall remain nameless for helping me through a lot of that. The story of um, Bobby's illness and death is an intensely uh, private thing uh, for me. And it's really a truism to say that this is a, a private path. There's not much we can or should share. Things happen that couldn't or shouldn't happen, and lifetimes can be compressed into a, a short time. But it's also a story of Master's grace, an ocean of grace, literally showering all around through us to each other, to initiates and non-initiates alike. And I, I think in this last uh, trip, uh, one of the question and answer sessions, he indicated that we really are um, all his ambassadors and uh, that that comes out uh, through us to others. So I've always wanted to um, to share this with everyone because it's it's something I could share. It wasn't it was about Bobby as well, not just about me. So I would like to read um, a letter that Sanchi uh, wrote me on December 29th. Um, it says, uh, Dear Toland, may Master's love and blessings be with you always. I received your letter and noted its contents. I am deeply sorry to learn that your partner, dear Bobby, has left her physical body. My sympathy is always with you, and there are no words which can help you recover the loss which you have suffered due to her leaving this world. But you know that all those who are born in this world have to leave it someday. This is the cycle of nature, and we all must accept this. We should be grateful that we have a master who protects our soul and takes her back to her real home when the time comes for her to leave the physical body. I understand the pain you have, but, dear Toland, you know there is nothing you can do now except having the patience. I appreciate all the dear ones, Seva, and love for you and your family. I hope now, that now, when dear Bobby has left, you will take better care of your children so that her soul in Sachkhand may become even happier by seeing her children in better shape. Do your, your bhajan and simran regularly because the grace of the master can be received only by doing the meditations. And dear one, you know his grace is the only thing we have. With all his love and best wishes to your family and to yourself, yours affectionately, a James Singh. And I want to share with you part of a letter that Sanchi wrote to Susan Shannon, which um, echoes my feelings as well. And he says, um, I am very thankful to all the dear ones in the Sangat who helped dear Bobby Sand and her family at the time when she and her family needed their help the most. Now when she has gone back to her real home, 
and is enjoying the company of the masters in Sachkhand. I'm sure the dear ones who helped her family at that time when she was sick will also get the benefit from the grace of the master. I appreciate the love and affection of all the satsangis, especially of the dear ones of the ashram. And then part of a um, letter to Russell as well. It says, I am very sorry that <clears throat> dear Bobby Sand has left her body. Dear one, you know that on the physical level or on the earthly level, it is a matter of great sorrow because when our dear one leaves us, we become sad and it is painful for us. But you know that for the satsangis, the physical death is in fact a time of going home. So in a way, there is no way, no need to feel sorry, but still, you know, on the worldly level, one has to feel sorry. Please convey my deepest sympathy and condolences to dear Toland. I'm glad that he is planning to come to Rajasthan this year. I will be glad, very glad to see him. You should lovingly give him the support which is needed at this time. I'm very glad that he has accepted this will of Lord Kirpal happily and is content in his will. And I did make it to Rajasthan for the first time after many years of watching people I know and friends who I have a lot of affection for come up here and talk and inspire me. So um, it was a very nice trip. Um, very peaceful. It was a 10-day you know, retreat for me. I, it happened that a lot of my best friends, people who I consider close friends, uh, ended up coming along too, and that was a nice added bonus. And uh, we had an opportunity to, to talk quite a bit. But I did want to share with you part of the interview which uh, I had with uh, Sanchi, which relates also to, to Bobby. And um, I basically I said that, well, I just thanked him more or less for, um, for all the grace, even though I should have sung a bhajan. I thanked him anyway. Um, but I would just sort of, a couple of nights I'd woken up very early and just had this image of, of her and, you know, on her deathbed. And it was, it was a difficult image to bear. And so I asked him if he could give me a different image of her, you know, tell me about her in such Khand, in other words, which he declined to do, but... He did say uh, the following. He said, Welcome. You are welcome, and I'm glad to see you. I have complete sympathy with the soul of your wife. Whatever, have you been going, whatever you have been going through on the outer level, the dear ones have always informed me of all that. All the dear ones, whether they were living at the Santpani Ashram or living in that area, or the dear ones who are around you, they all have a lot of pain and sympathy for her. But dear one, you know that the punishment for all our bad karmas is the sufferings, the diseases, and the rewards for our good karmas is good health and the happiness. Punishment or the reward which our body gets is the tradition, the religion, is the core of this physical plane. The dignity or the glory, as far as the soul is concerned, is not affected even if the hair goes out, or even if a person's body is reduced to mere bones. 
Many times the dear ones have to suffer that much on their body because the Master does not want them to come back into this world. That is why many of our karmas are paid off through their physical body. The body which we have here does not go over there. Only our soul goes. And in fact, Master mixes our soul with his soul and he takes the soul to his real home. We should learn a lesson from all this. We should never do such a karma in paying which we will have to go through such sufferings. But this is a reality. A satangi is never made to suffer all the karmas which he has done. Always the sufferings of the karmas is reduced. Many karmas of the satangas are paid off by having the darshan of the master. Many of the karmas are paid off by attending the satsangs and by doing the simran. And many karmas masters take upon their, phys- their own body also. I know that physical separation from our companion is also very hard to bear. It is a very difficult thing because our companion has lived with us for a long time and just the memories of them will haunt us and it's very difficult and there's no word which I can say on this outer level which can console, which will console you. As I have said earlier, only he is a saint, only he is a gurumukh, only he is a sadhu, and only he is a satsangi who accepts the will of the Lord. So it would be much better for you to forget about what happened. You should do the meditations of the Nam and understand it as your responsibility to take good care of your children. So those are the things of import that I wanted to uh, to share with you. Um, other than that, I'm very thankful I could finally go after after so many years, and I really feel like it was the um, appropriate time, the, the time, just as, just as the master will seek out the disciple when it's time for the disciple to be initiated. Similarly, I feel that, that this was the time for me to go. I, I remember when I was, a few days before I was going to be going, um, I was hemming and hawing and saying, gee, you know, I really shouldn't go. You know, I had this reason, I had that reason. And, and I'm on... Uh, Wednesday night uh, at my studio, we we played darts, uh, and uh, I remember I mentioning it to um, some of my uh, fellow dart players, and uh, and uh, all of a sudden everybody was uh, was um, was sort of came not came down on me, but but came over and started me tell, started telling me sweet stories about their trips to India. And, and um, describing it, and you know, it was like I sort of felt like the master was was uh, was really making it easier for me to to go, and and not um, not allowing me to pay attention to my apprehensions or, or concerns or, or or whatever. So. Um, But it was a very, it was a very nice trip, and uh, I, I have a lot of wonderful memories of um, of the ashram and and uh, what it's like there, and, and the the sevadars, and of course the master, and um, I'm just uh, grateful I could finally go, and I hope that you, I hope that what I shared with you today, you can get something uh, out of, one way or the other. Thanks.
<clears throat> For such a muddy day, there's an awful lot of people here. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that um, when I was thinking of speaking publicly, you know, that the mud would be just too much and we couldn't make it. And the first thought that came was, you know, the master is not going to let some mud get in the way. So, <clears throat> I too am nervous, and uh, I pray that I just, please, whatever comes out will be from him, and not from myself. So please consider that maybe some of this will be from me, and, um, and know that, weigh that in that manner. When I was packing to leave for the trip, I had my camera equipment all packed and was planning on bringing it, and at the last minute, just as I was walking out the door, just that inside voice said, no, don't bring anything that you really need to think about or that will take your attention from this trip. Go into the world alone and see if you can meet yourself there. And. I remember thinking back instantly that one of the things that bothered me about psychotherapy a lot was that I was always doing things in my life to take me away from myself. And I remember my psychiatrist saying, Kathy, why are you so afraid to just face yourself? And the answer came out to him from me, because I'm just so afraid that if I go in there, nobody's going to be home. <laughs> and that is true. You know, that's really the truth. And it's so absurd because, you know, there's a soul in every one of us. But I just had that. That was really what I was afraid of. So um, after I left my camera equipment, which is really like a pacifier, I get behind a camera and I'm safe. And it's like smoking cigarettes, something to do with your hands. But I was walking past the mirror in the hall to go out to the car, and I just sort of quickly caught uh, the image of myself in the mirror, and the voice came up inside of me, I'm going to India to die. And there was a crack in the wall, and the wall was like crumbling, and I just wanted to hold on to that wall and not leave the house. Crack and crumbling walls were suddenly beautiful, and going out to face myself into the world alone was so frightening that I can't, you know, well, if you'd hold on to a cracking, crumbling wall, obviously that's pretty thin. But anyway, I, I, I left, and... Um, the journey was over was very beautiful and very easy. And um, I'd like to read just what I wrote as we were landing. Or this was actually when we were at that beautiful house in Delhi where we stay now. And it was 5.30 in the morning. As we made our descent, I saw the dusty ground illumined in the lights, and the smell of the earth India came to me, and the word saffron. And the story Sanchi tells of the man whose wife chastises him because he's all covered with the dirt, and he tells her it is the saffron of his lord. I remember on the last trip 
where I was in India, Sanchi told the story, and Papu's father was sitting beside me, and when he said that, this is the saffron of my Lord, this beautiful sigh came out of Papu's father, and I just kind of fell into that sigh because I thought, oh, he's probably heard this story so many times, but each time he's so here now that that story just is fresh and new. All in the twinkling of a moment, this came to me while we were landing in Delhi. Then when we got through the authorities and the paperwork and made our way to the buses, the first breath of India, the cool night air that smells something like a newly sharpened pencil, I felt such a happiness inside of me and heard the words, I am home. I flinched. How could I think of this foreign land as home? And then when we were on the bus, just as we got on the bus and were, weren't taking off yet, Judith turned around and we just grabbed hands and she said, we're home. And, and I thought back that that had come to me also, alone, you know. So, <clears throat> see, it was the first morning after the um, Saturday morning before we really got into get, getting up real early. We were allowed to rest, as usual. And I couldn't wait to get out and walk around the garden wall. And as I was walking around, the thought, the words came inside of me, He really is my father. It was like I was born when I was initiated. And I had to go through the, the infancy of trying to walk and falling down and making so many mistakes that a little child makes, but it's okay because it's a little child. And then going through the being into childhood and discovering so many things about myself that were really kind of hard to take. And then adolescence, which was very embarrassing to go through when you're in your 30s the extreme rebelliousness of adolescence. In my, in my childhood, in my physical childhood and my life there with my family, I wasn't allowed to go through these natural stages. We were an extremely dysfunctional family. And it's interesting how, to me, that this, this is very human and that you have to go through these stages and our children will have to go through these stages. So better to let them go through when they're teenagers than to have to have to uh, to suffer adolescence, you know, in your thirties. That's just very embarrassing. And that um, since Sanchi is really my father, I rebelled against him. And I would like to um, just share some of that because, for what I want to tell you, it's important for you to know how far from the path that I really went. And yet, I never was at all. He never left me. I will say that. Um, there was one point in the um, in this severe anger that I was in that I was thinking inside of myself, and I put in front of my mind, or maybe probably the master did this, brought up in, into my mind the face of Bob. And I felt so much anger. I was just so angry. And I brought up into my, my forehead then the image of Sanchi. And oh, I just 
I can't say how angry, all the anger I felt. I just felt angry. And then I brought up my own physical father's face, and it was like violin music and hearts and roses, and there was no anger, only sweetness. And I understood from that little exercise that the two people who I trust and love, I will show my anger to. But to those who I cannot trust, I will make sure that everything looks cool. So that is adolescence. And um, I knew that this trip was going to be a turning point for me, that something had happened that was very intense and crazy, but that um, I was growing up. And so I've been in psychotherapy for seven and a half years, and um, my whole life has really been an intense searching journey, I will say. That's probably why I'm an artist, because that's it's easiest for an artist to live that kind of life. That's sort of the path that they just have to follow. And um, it's been a soul-searching life, a very difficult life, but no more, no less than anybody else, I'm sure. And it's been an extremely outer life. As much as I wanted to do the spiritual work, I think that I understood it much more egotistically than practically. And this path is a practical path of doing the work, or you really don't uh, benefit the way he knows we can benefit. So I was very um, kind of proud of myself for doing so much therapy. I've gone for help everywhere I can get, and I feel that he gave me that help and gave me that help. But in not practicing the path, I wasn't meditating. And I didn't really understand why I wasn't meditating. I didn't really take time to understand. I was just doing all that work, and it felt very important. And I was um, real angry. And so I, was, I took the only book that I took with me to India was Spirituality by Kirpal Singh. And I was reading in that book, and I, can't, I tried to find the exact page that it dawned on me, but I was sitting on one of the benches, and I read a part in that book where it said that the real facing yourself work, this is not his words, the real facing yourself work is the inner work, is the meditation. And it was like I'd never heard that before, which is also absurd, because that's really the basic thing of this whole path, is doing the inner work. But um, I just wasn't, I guess, ready before that moment to understand that very practical advice. So that was a tremendous gift. And I think that was the um, turning point of the trip and of my life. I feel that the past 41, 40, almost 42 years is one life, and that there was that turning point. And it's very good that he gave me that work to do. It's been very much a part of my path, but the thing that I 
the mistake that I made was in not meditating, and he told me that in my interview last time, and learning that I had to ask his forgiveness for that also, that this was a trip of much um, asking, learning how to ask forgiveness and then being forgiven. So um, I signed up for my, I wanted my interview like really first. I wanted to get right in there and tell him that I was sorry, especially partly because I had the nerve at that moment to do it. And I was afraid and I was, um, I knew while I was feeling the inspiration that really now was the time to do it. And I just galloped up those steps and went right in there and sat right down and just told him, thank you for all the lessons that you've given me, that um, they've been hard, but that I needed them all. And uh, even my dysfunctioning family was very, very important because maybe without that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to have um, accepted this wonderful father who would give me so much love and so much happiness. So that, realizing that, I was able to learn how to forgive the past and forgive that part of my family um, that I wasn't able to forgive and that I was so angry about. And I said to Sanchi in my letter that I was very afraid and very anxious because I knew that I had come to India to die. And on this level, I knew that the death was in the meditation, but he heard that in the letter, and he just broke up and started laughing, which never, this between he and I never happened before. It's always been a very severe kind of relationship. I really didn't know if he even knew who I was, and I didn't really know if he liked me very much, or I didn't let him near me. I never let him near me, really. It was me. I, I kept up these walls and these barriers. And when he laughed like that, all the walls and barriers came down. And he was so light-hearted looking at me there and laughing. And he said, Dear daughter, you have not come to India to die. And I just, I just sat there and looked at him. And he said, However, the, the kind of dying that you must do here is the work, that you must do the meditation and it's the dying of the mind. And he said it so lovingly. And I did feel like a little child and um, totally taken care of and um, very thankful for that. I've never looked at myself lightly. I've always had this really heavy attitude problem, which is kind of also adolescence. But I was never allowed that, so I really went into it full force, you know. Really took myself very heavily and very seriously. And he just was like glowing. And then that, at that noontime, when we went to lunch, when I came walking up to him with my tray, you know, he was looking, giving the, the, the darshan and looking at each person. And I came along and his whole face broke right open into a laugh. And I just thought, oh, he's still laughing about that. I will do anything to make him laugh like that. I will do anything to have him laugh. I, that was just the most wonderful gift to, to show me, to, to be light with me and to show me how important that lightness is. And um, that, the whole trip was like that for me. It was just very, very light. And I was very in the be here and now. All of it was a gift from him. 
because since I've gotten back, I'm, I'm right back into the very difficult sort of work. I, I know it was all from him. But um, taking myself lightly, just being there now, which you can only do by Simran. Simran keeps us in the here and now. I learned that because he gave that to me while I was there, that to keep doing the Simran. And I, on this trip also, I didn't pre-plan any um, uh, kind of method. Like the first time that I went, I kept the, sh- the curtains drawn and I didn't look at India and I refused to uh, talk to anybody and I kept very inward. And I pre-planned that and I did a lot of heavy work there and it was very good. And then another time that I went, I went into the exact opposite place and I was just social and it still was a very heavy trip and... I was still in a lot of pain, cried most of the time. And this time I just really, not taking the camera equipment or any other external stuff, I just wanted to be here now. And it was. I was right with myself and in, went into myself and found so much happiness. I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe how I was happy just to be, just to be. And one morning after we got back from India, I was... Um, looking at in the book the the jewel of happiness i just opened it up and it said do the simran of god and become happy and happiness isn't something i ever really thought about i mostly i thought about gruesomeness so i didn't know that he wanted us to be happy i really didn't i thought that that wasn't very spiritual if you were light and happy you know i had all that premeditated stuff going on and there's a couple of stories also that I would just like to share because um, one, I, you know, I just really tried to just be like that. But one time I pre-planned where I was going to sit in the meditation hall. And I really decided that I was going to sit in this one particular corner on a chair. And it was the, the sitting from three to, f- three to four with Sanchi or four to five, whatever the time is anyway. And um, when I went back there, somebody else was sitting there, but there was still room for me. But I made it very uncomfortable for that person. And they got up and left. And uh, <laughs> that was okay, except what happened into my mind wasn't okay. Because I said, yeah, they can leave. I don't have to. And the whole time that I ever did sit there, I never had any trouble. But as when he came in and told us to do it, the first thing that happened was that a needle came up through the rug, through my big toe, and it was really a needle. And then a bird flew over. We were indoors, but there was a bird in there, and it it did its thing on my head. <laughs> I'm not, I, I swear, I couldn't make this up. And then... <laughs> And then, <laughs> and I'm sitting right behind Russell <laughs> also. So, you know, I was trying not to move or anything, but then an insect embedded itself in my cheek. And the pain was just unbelievable. And I, was, I wasn't sitting on the floor, I was sitting in a chair. So there wasn't supposed to be any of that physical pain. And while I was waiting for the dribbling to start happening, happening down the back of my neck, I felt flies just cover my body and I was sitting with my hands on my knees and I could feel the flies everywhere and I had to peek 
because I couldn't believe this. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. And there were. There were like about 10 flies all over my hands, and I kind of whisked them away, and I hoped Sanji didn't see me, you know. But then they came back, and that was the most dreadful. I didn't do any Simran during that meditation because I was just freaking the whole time. And I just couldn't wait till he left, but I was really, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do with that <laughs> stuff dribbling down my head. And when, I, when it was all over and he was gone, there was nothing there. There was no needle in my toe. There was no bird. There was nothing on my head. Nothing had embedded itself in my cheek. And I was just sit, sitting there left with my unloving heart, really. That's where it was, was at. And he just very assuredly showed me that, you know, he, he doesn't want us to uh, be like that. <laughs> that loving and sharing with each other is the grace and the gift. And then another really important thing happened to me in that before I left, I really wanted to sing a bhajan for him because I had never done that alone. And two visits ago, I was sitting in a chair at the bhajan singing because I was there seven months pregnant with Mikhail. And um, just as the but one of the singers ended, I went to scratch my lip, and he called on me. But, I mean, I wasn't prepared. And there was a man sitting in front of me, and all of a sudden he started singing. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Because I, if I'd had to you know, be le- sit, sitting there looking at him, I think I would have just burst into tears. And when that man started singing, his head came around and looked at me so hard, because he thought I was going to start singing, and he was asking me to sing a bhajan to him. And I just looked at him, and I, my eyes were bugging out. And um, so the next year that I went, I wanted to sing, but I still was so proud that I couldn't sing. I just couldn't, I could not force myself to do it. And this year when I went, I was really trying hard to sing for him, but the song that I, the song that I wanted to sing was very intricate. It was one of his new ones, and I had it on a tape, and I had the little Walkman with me, and I was listening to it like every night, and I was practicing it, and I couldn't remember it. I couldn't remember the way the song went or the words or anything. And I was getting all wrapped up in that, and it was starting to cut into my meditation. I was starting to get so anxious. And one day I just said flat out to myself, this is it, I'm not going to sing a bhajan this year either. I have to give this up now because it's ruining everything. And then Wendy Shangala came over and put her arm around me, and she said, are you okay? And I said, well, I just had a little nervous breakdown, but I'm okay now because <laughs> I just decided I can't handle this. <laughs> and she and I told her why and she said oh that she was she would get nervous too before she would sing the bhajans which is hard to believe Wendy because she so <laughs> sings them so beautifully. And she said that you well, know she knew sometimes she you know could make a mistake but that was okay cuz she was just human. So I said well I I figured that maybe if the spirit moved me I would go ahead and I would do it but I didn't know. So we went over to the bhajan singing that day after the, um, well, whichever satsang it was. And he hadn't come out yet. We were all just sitting there, and I was up, way up front. I'd gone over real early. And several people sang, and then Wendy sang, and then nobody sang. <laughs> so during the time when everybody was singing, the Bajan book kept opening up to page 27, I think it is. And at first I just kept closing it or trying to find the page. But finally, after about the fifth time that it opened to the same page, I looked, and it was uh, Piara Mere. 
And that's a little bhajan. I know it. I can sing it. I've sung it a zillion times. It's simple. I read over the words, and they said exactly what I would want to say. So when Wendy stopped and nobody said anything, I just sort of turned around and said, page 27. <laughs> and my voice wasn't my voice. And when I started singing, that wasn't my voice either, but it came out, and I meant it. I meant it very, very much. But I was really cemented into that moment and um, but it was happening I was singing and all of a sudden I came to the next to the last stanza and it wouldn't come out right and I tried it two different times and it wouldn't come out right and I was I just went <laughs> and the lady beside me reached over and just held my arm sang with me through it and then on I went and finished the bhajan and I just was really I, I was so thankful for that lady's loving attention. And when Sanchi came out, and we, it was a bhajan singing, I think it was the bhajan singing night where he didn't do the bhajan, he did that little talk that was that filled the whole time and was so spectacular. And he gave me a lot of one-on-one -on -one darshan, he gave me a lot of darshan, and I knew he'd heard me, that he had heard me sing to him. And I mean, this is like six years that I've been trying to do this. And um, after that, we had one, I think, one more bhajan singing time. And I didn't feel him asking me to sing a bhajan. I, I knew that I had sung it to him and that he had heard me. And I think that's just really a miracle. That just is so amazing to me. But it's one of those tiny miracles. So... Um, the trip was... Totally happy for me. Totally happy. And I am so thankful for it. I am so thankful that I was there. And thank you for letting me share these things with you. I came, I must say, up here with the same trying to just be here now, do the simran, and hope that something worthwhile would come out and not let it all down beforehand and hopefully not say anything inappropriate, but that um, the trip, the spirit of the trip, I think, was set in that letter that Russell read the week before we went of what he wants us to bring to him in our, in our um, uh, interviews. And that just set me into a place that was right here. And I think that that's what Russell was just talking about, that to do that, we have to be right here, and we can't project about, um, even about him, about his health or anything. The best we can give him is ourselves right here, right now, and that the only way we can do that is through the Simran, and the only way we can really do the Simran is by meditating, because that all of that sort of just flows into each other and into those things. So, thank you all.
Well, thank you very much, both of you. Um, I, you know, one of the things that that's clear from both both talks, and that uh, was certainly clear to both Judith and me on this trip, is the way that the Master really does work through love of each other. <coughs> that whole thing about satsang, satsang defined as um, the Master working through us, with us, through us, in us, is really, um, gee, it was really a big thing on this trip. And, you know, a lot of people, not just Kathy, have gone through rebellious uh, periods and anger at the Master and so forth. It's not, you know, it's it's not hard to become rebellious at someone who, if you think about it, is demanding perfection. Yeah. I mean, he isn't really. What he's demanding is that we live up to our own true nature, but that's not always easy to do. And I have certainly, as everyone knows, found it extremely difficult to do a great many times. And I understand very well where she's coming from. Anyway, next week I will try to play one of the tapes from this group. I couldn't get it ready for this week. One of the question and answer sessions that is um, really a very important talk, I think. But for today we will hear the uh, first of the talks that Master gave in Italy last summer. This is... Uh, the talk of May 21st at the ashram in Italy. May Aparna Param Guru Paramatma Sadhana Krupalda Tandad Karna जिसने के मैंने फिर थोड़े देश में थोड़ी सी आवाज़ पे हाजिर किया है सेवक की दौर गुरु के हाथ में चंदी है सेवक पुतली की तरह लंबा है जो खेल खलावे जो नट है वो ही वो पुतली खेल दी है तुसी के पंजनी पढ़ दे हो कि जिथे पहले मैं उठे जाना है और तेरे इस देश में जाना है मैं पूरा तानवादी हैं। I thank my supreme master Savan and Kripal for allowing me to come back to your country once again to do your seva। रिंगरास्तियों इन्हें सुप्रीम मायास्त्री Savan and Kripal the life of a disciple is like the puppet. You know that the string of the puppet is in the hands of the performer and the puppet dances according to how the performer wants it to dance. In the same way, the disciple only does those things according to what the master wants him to do. 
Nello stesso modo, il discepolo fa esattamente le cose che il maestro suo vuole facciare. In one of the bhajans you read that, O oh Lord, wherever you send me, I go there. In uno dei bhajans voi potete leggere che è detto, O oh Signore, dove tu mi mandi, lì io vado. I give out only your message, I am a puppet, and my string is in your hands. Io do solo il tuo messaggio, sono una marinetta, e la mia corda sta nelle tue mani. Santamat. एक सच्चाई है कुदरत के निजमा के मुताबिक मैं दसदा होना है कि करनी का मत है गलत का मत नहीं लेकिन जिसने कमाई की थी संतान की कृपा ना अंदर गया वो आज तक इस नु कोई चुटला ना सकया वो उना दे हो गया संत मत इज अ रियलिटी I have often said that Santamat is not a path of talking, it is the path of working and experiencing. All those who have gone in the within have always said that Santamat is a true path. Up until now, there has been nobody who, after going in the within, would have said that it is not a true path. In order to become successful in the meditation, a disciple has to fulfill certain conditions. He has to give up the pride of his position. He has to bear the criticism and taunts of the worldly people. Many times he has to even suffer and bear the taunts and criticism of his friends, relatives and his family members. Because the criticism works like a guard of the door of the disciple. 
that is why saints and mahatmas do not pay any attention to the criticism the praise of the saints do not give them any happiness and the criticism of the saints do not make them sad so the masters neither pay any attention to the criticism nor they get puffed up by the praise of the people so without paying any attention to the criticism or the praise they choose the path which is in between the criticism and the praise ਦੁਨੀਆ ਦੀ ਰੋਹਾਨੀ ਔਰ ਦਿਮਾਗੀ ਤਾਕਤ ਗਰੀ ਦੇਖ ਕੇ ਔਰ ਦੁਖਾਂ ਕਸ਼ਟਾਂ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਕਰੀ ਹੋਈ ਦੁਨੀਆ ਦੇਖ ਕੇ ਉਹ ਪ੍ਰਭੂ ਹੀ ਦਿਆ ਕਰਦਾ ਹੈ ਪਿਆਰ ਵਿੱਚ ਦਾ ਸਮੁੰਦਰ ਪਿਆਰ ਦਾ ਉਛਲ ਖੜਦਾ ਹੈ ਉਹ ਖੋਦੀ ਰੂਪ ਧਾਰ ਕੇ ਸੰਸਾਰ ਵਿੱਚ ਆਉਂਦਾ ਹੈ after seeing the suffering and the bad condition of the people and after seeing that spiritually the people have gone very down god showers grace upon them and that ocean of love comes into its full force the lord almighty himself comes down to live in this world on the heads of the people in this world there are very heavy burdens of the worries and the pains and difficulties sulla testa della gente in questo mondo ci sono fardelli molto pesanti di preoccupazioni e cose varie and the people in this world are kind of buried down under those burdens which they are carrying on their head e la gente di questo mondo è sepolta da questi fardelli che si porta sul capo così dunia de di ਇੰਦਰੀਆਂ ਦੇ ਭੋਗਾਂ ਵਿੱਚ ਬੁਰੀ ਤਰ੍ਹਾਂ ਫਸੇ ਹਨ ਜਿਤਨੇ ਭੋਗ ਉਤਨੀਆਂ ਬਿਮਾਰੀਆਂ ਜਿਆਦੇ ਖਰੀਦਦੇ ਹਨ ਜੋ ਸੁੱਖਾਂ ਦਾ ਸੋਨਾ ਨਾਮ ਹੈ ਉਹਦੀ ਤਰਫ ਸਾਡੀ ਸੱਦੀ ਪਿੱਠ ਕੀਤੀ ਹੈ ਅਸੀਂ ਜ਼ਹਿਰ ਖਾਈ ਵੀ ਜਾਂਦੇ ਹਾਂ ਹੈ ਹੈ ਵੀ ਕਰੀ ਜਾਂਦੇ ਹਾਂ ਸ਼ਿਨ ਭੰਗਰ ਕਾਮ ਦੀ ਲਹਿਰ ਕੋਰਸ਼ਨ ਪੰਗਰ ਦੁਨੀਆ ਦੇ ਸੁੱਖ ਸਾਨੂੰ ਦੁੱਖਾਂ ਦੀ ਨਦੀ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਰੋੜ ਕੇ ਤੁਰੇ ਜਾਂਦੇ ਹੈ ਵੀ ਦਾ ਵਰਲਡਲੀ ਪੀਪਲ ਇੰਡਲਜ ਇਨ ਦੀ ਪਲੇਜਰਸ ਕ੍ਰੀਏਟਡ ਬਾਈ ਦੀ ਆਰਗਨਸ ਆਫ ਸੈਂਸਸ ਨੋਇ ਨੋਮ ਜਾਲੀ ਇੰਦੂਜਾਮ ਦੇ ਕਿਸ਼ੇਰੀ ਪ੍ਰੋਕਾਤੀ ਦੇ ਸੈਂਸੀ ਦ ਮੋਰ ਵੀ ਐਨਜੋਏ ਦ ਸੈਂਸੁਅਲ ਪਲੇਜਰਸ ਦ ਮੋਰ ਵੀ ਸਫਰ and that great ocean of peace and happiness the norm we have turned our back towards it by indulging in the sensual worldly pleasures we people 
suffer a great deal. We people are like those who eat the poison and at the same time go on repenting it. Noi, indulgendo le crescere sensuali, andiamo a finire nella sofferenza e continuiamo a mangiare questo, questo veleno e infine ci sentiamo. <coughs> Before we sing the final bhajan, don't forget that there will be two busloads immediately, leaving immediately after satsang, and a third about half an hour later. Our closing bhajan is on page 151. If you want to become the philosopher's stone, O soul, read the bani of the Satguru. Come on, dear ones of the Satguru and sing the true Bani. At least sing the Guru's Bani, as that Bani is above the others. Those who have good fortune and grace, in their heart dwells the Bani. Drink the nectar, and always remain in the color of God, as the rainbird remembers the water. Nanak says, always sing, as this is the true Bani. If you want to become the philosopher's stone, O soul, read the Bani of the Satguru, Bhajan of Guru Amardas. Jai Mahārāj Sahāna Jai 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 J
जीव अमृत सदर हो हाड़ी रंग जपियो सारंग पानी जिंदड़िए पार सतगुरु दी पानी सादा गावो साची पानी जिंदड़िए पढ़ सतगुरु दी पानी to become the philosopher's stone oh soul read the bani of the satguru may god bless us all